UtilityMuffinLabs.com is the source for podcasts like 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, the NerdWords podcast, and the Playing Hooky podcast, to name a few. We offer gaming, music, and pop culture content, as well as graphic and audio design, voice talent, and more. Go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com to commission us for your audio needs, digital artwork, and advertising opportunities. UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome, everybody, to the Playing Hooky Podcast. My name is Rachel. And my name is Nathan. Hooray for our names. So real quick, how is that <laughs> How is that uh, kombucha you were drinking? Actually, it wasn't terrible. It kind of tasted like... It uh, looks good. Yeah, so I w- I'm not going to show the label because we don't want to like give them free advertising. Right, but, screw those guys. Yeah, but it's a, it is a mystic mango kombucha. And I was like, not quite sure how it was going to taste, but like something about the density of the liquid mm-hmm. and the color it's got some floaties on the top like yeah, some it's got but, some floaties yeah, on the top it, i mean it's like a tea it's you know yeah. it's got some can i natural. try it yeah i shouldn't yeah. try I don't it know real quick like shake it or not but uh i don't know is the most kombucha fermented and it could be detrimental if you shook yeah, it yeah i don't know but it's got like sediment on the bottom and mm, wow yeah i don't hate it but it's not it it, it looks like it's going to be more flavorful than it is yeah yeah. Because well, of how cloudy it is. It looked like orange juice to me, so that's why I wanted to try it. But mm-hmm. it is not orange juice. No, it's definitely not. But I'm sure it's got some good like probiotics or something in it for you. Yeah, some but it's got the flavor I like. Good for your intestines, mm-hmm. as they say yeah. in Canada. Um, so anyway, what are we talking about this episode? So today we are talking about our trip to Gen Con. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we put out a little, um, I don't know, like a contest maybe or something for people to suggest things for us to get at Gen Con so that we would then sit down and compare them games mm-hmm. for us to play together um, that we would talk about on the podcast. And I, I don't actually think we got anything people suggested. No, we didn't get it. We took none of your suggestions. No, there, no. We were just kind of like, so it was just like overwhelming a little bit at Gen Con mm-hmm. this year because normally before Gen Con, I have a little bit more time to prep and plan. And this year I was kind of just flying by the seat of my pants and helping Nate with his podcasting stuff for 25 years of vampire and i didn't plan anything i didn't look ahead at any games that were coming out i was interested in i didn't schedule any games i wanted to play i was kind of at the mercy of generic tickets so um a little bit a little bit of a different year for me usually i'm like a pretty good planner and i go into gen con like with a solid knowledge of like i'm probably gonna buy this and i'm gonna play these two or three games that didn't happen this year so um Almost it was like being a Gen Con virgin in some ways because I went in with like really very small expectations about what I was going to do or what I was going to buy as far as quantity or anything like that. Um, And we didn't really have a plan. Uh, We were just kind of walking around the hall and purchased things as they struck our fancy. Mostly we bought a lot of artwork. Yeah, yeah. So, I'd say most of our money we spent on artwork and food while we were at Gen yeah, Con. One of the things that was suggested to us was Betrayal at the House. Betrayal at House on the Hill, which yeah. we already have. Yeah. And so that's a we, super fun we, game. We didn't buy it because we already have it. Yeah, we already own it. Another thing that was suggested, I think maybe by the same person, was um, Arkham Horror. Yeah. We don't own that. We both have played it. Yeah. And you really need, at least with my friend group who typically would play that game you need at least like five to six hours and hope that everyone finish is sober enough by the end to actually finish the game yeah uh, it can take a really long time to play but we've played it before there were a few other suggestions here and there of interesting games but we were kind of looking for here's here's the thing the thing about gen con is is you can get games where you know it's a thousand intricate pieces and it's going to take hours and hours to play all the way down to something that's maybe going to take 20 minutes right. that you could play with two to five people and it was really the latter that we were looking for things that we could play together right um because nate and i both like board games and we love having people over but sometimes you want to play a board game and you don't want to invite people over right. you don't feel like putting on pants you don't feel like cleaning up the house us, right? yeah sometimes yeah sometimes it's a wednesday at nine o'clock and we don't have anything to do and we've gotten tired of watching things on netflix or you know we just don't have the you know the capacity to dive into a new show yeah or you just movie right you want to play a game but you don't have a ton of energy and you only have two people those are really kind of the games we were looking for 
And we kind of hit the mark with the things that I chose to purchase, <laughs> um, mostly and because they had really good marketing and really good packaging, and it kind of like grabbed me. Um, and the games were fun, too, when I was able to demo them. Yeah, I shopped with a 16-year-old Nathan Sensibility. I was, like, younger than that, really. Like, I feel like... No, I mean, I, I would say... Maybe you, more, I was a more I mature 16-year-old so, than you. So people might be able to see it at the bottom of the frame here. But basically, I, I bought this. This is Guar versus Time. And I bought this because I saw members of Guar standing there, and they had a game. Right. I didn't know anything about the game. I'd never heard of the game. The game... Is apparently it's um, if I remember correctly, I also did no research yep. uh, prior to our discussion. But basically, what the card designers, the game people that were selling the product, basically what they said was the game is going to go to Kickstarter in October. I think I'll, I'll have details on uh, in the description on the website. But it, it wasn't a, it's not available to the mass market yet. It's just these are some that they had created. And that they they had available at Gen Con. Yeah. Now they had a limited edition of them. Yeah. They may have been lying about that because when we were there, we were there um, on Saturday, right? I think it was Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday when Friday. you bought yeah, this so game. It was, yeah. it was there Friday. So it was uh, the second day of Gen yeah, Con. Second day of Gen Con, and I believe that the um, the guy that was explaining us the game, he did a bang up job, by the way. Uh, the guy that was explaining us the game was like, yeah, we only have like 11 left, right? And they, they had a conversation in front of us. There weren't many at the table no, left that you no. could physically see. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, there were some members of Guar there. And so I was very excited because I was like, oh, they have a game. That's awesome. I love Guar. And members of Guar are there. And they signed the thing. And so I was They very, signed the board game. I was very yeah. dazzled by it. Um, and then we, <laughs> we took the game and we carried it around. And then I felt like the bell of the ball. So it had like a dual effect. Yeah. Everywhere I walked, people were like, is that a Guar game? You have a game that's for Guar? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's over there at the booth, but they have so few left. And then a funny thing happened. We continued to go and walk around the the the, um, the bazaar and look at booths and games. And then on Sunday, we did like the standard thing. We want to hit every single thing, make sure we, we check everywhere, hand out our cards, get business cards from people, learn about games, right? Like Sunday's like dig in and figure it out. Look at everything. Yeah. And they had a giant pile of these on the table. Maybe they had a reserve somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Or maybe they were lying. Could be. Um, And then... You got some very awesome games. Do you well, want to- let's talk about Guar first. I think I, okay, I, let's so let's dive, right let's dive the- into Guar because okay. there's a lot to unpack here. So first of all, Nathan, mm-hmm. um, tell me a little bit about Guar because um, not many people are super so, familiar. So Guar is kind of like the underground band's underground band. Like Guar has been around, sort of like skating the mainstream. For like thirty years, mainstream of what? Mainstream of like rock music, of okay. pop culture. Um, you know, Guar famously were on the Jerry Springer show. Guar was in, had a cameo in um, Empire Records. Mm-hmm. Like, like Guar has kind of like been a band for many years, and and their their whole shtick is kind of um, so. It, it's it's. They're one of the few costume bands that like is still kind of like they're very recognizable for yeah, their bold costumes. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so so their whole shtick is that they're alien creatures that came down to Earth in prehistoric times, and um, I guess like they had sex with monkeys and like spawned the human race, and then um, they were trapped under ice during the ice age, and then um, all the hair bands using hairspray in the eighties started to melt the ice caps and woke Guar up, right? And ever since then, they've been, like, working on their plan of ultimate world domination. So it's it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's very tongue-in-cheek. And yet they've been around for, like, 30 years. Like, Guar is kind of a classic, you know, heavy metal, punk rock. Yeah, I remember of. seeing videos of theirs on MTV in the early to mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they were, I think they kind of hit their height of popularity uh, in the early to mid-'90s. Um, and then, like, people who are still into them are, like, sort of people who are nostalgic for that time. Well, I mean... I mean, I don't know. I, they I could be to, wildly I to be, popular I now. To be fair, I mean, they're still, they're still a very popular 
banned in some circles. Um, but they tend to like build fans that stay fans forever. Right? Yeah, my because artwork you, is popular in some circles if that circle consists of my mom. Yeah, but it doesn't. So yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just saying, I like. Mean, look, don't shit on Guar. I'm not game. shitting on Guar. I'm just saying, like, it's not like everybody knows no, about no, Guar. No. Well, I mean, a lot of people have seen or heard, but are not necessarily fans and wouldn't recognize their music if they heard it. Mm-hmm. But then in certain, like, metal circles, Guar is pretty well known. Certain yeah. punk rock circles, Guar is pretty well yeah, known. I think anyone who's into metal knows yeah, about Guar. They, they, yeah. They've been around for a very long time, and their mm-hmm. music has continually evolved um, throughout that time. So, I mean, they are shtick, of course. They wear costumes, and they have, like, some of the best live shows ever, and they spew blood and guts into the audience. But, like, their music has changed and evolved and had many different sounds and incarnations throughout the years. So, you know, you may hear Guar and be like, oh, I really like this, but not know that that's not... Yeah. So they're kind of like their mainstay. You know? So th- their shtick, their whole like um, backstory and, you know, their aliens, all of that flavor is pulled into this board game, right? I would assume so. Yeah. Well, why would you have to assume though, Nate? Haven't you opened this game and played it? Yeah, so haven't we Haven't we experienced everything that there is to offer from Guar versus Time? So that really brings us to uh, the, um, the crux of this review. So... We open this box up, and I'll have some some B-roll footage for you. And the artwork is fantastic. And it comes with... Now, this is a deck-building game. Now, I actually didn't know what that meant when I bought this game. I don't know really, even to this point, what a deck-building game is. But I assume it is a game where you build a deck... Uh, in a um, in a draft style, like, yeah, cards and, get laid down and people pick them up. Yeah, there's kind of like a formula for right. how you build your deck, and then yeah. and then it has these instructions that are in here that <laughs> look like they'd be very solid. Yeah, instructions. I'd say at least twelve to fifteen pages of, of yeah. very good instructions yeah. um, with lots of pictures to help you yeah. out. Yeah, and uh, basically what the, the the designer that was there told us, he's like, yeah, you know, if you if you um, are familiar with draft uh, decks? You know you can uh, deck building games. You know you can use the the more complicated instructions. If you're not, you know you can just use like the basic instructions. Like there's an advanced play. Yeah. And he also recommended like a couple of videos that have been put on YouTube of like people's how to set up the game, things yeah. like that. So the company that makes this, they they have other games, um, Space Poo, Nuts. Uh, Are You a Cultist, Zombie Shamble, uh, Dice Hack. Yeah, I think uh, the company's Wildfire. Yeah, Wildfire Wildfire Games. And uh, so it looks like deck building games are kind of their thing. Maybe. I don't know. I've never played anything by them before. No, uh, this is the first time I ever heard of them. However, um, the instructions look like they'd be very clear and very easy to follow. You would think so. But in fact, they're not. They're Um, like, I'm not kidding you. They're probably the second worst game instructions I've ever read. Um, Like, here's how bad these were. When we sat down to play this, we were all very excited to play the game because Mm -hmm. Nate was excited about Guar. And we're like, yeah, sure, deck building game. This sounds awesome. I mean, it's got really fun artwork, um, lots of cards. You know, you can have several people play, like up to five people. And so... Which end of day two of Gen Con, it's the first day that Nate and I have really, the first day was like all podcast business, right? Like still fun, but still kind of like, you know, entertaining uh, listeners to his podcast and hanging out and doing all that. So Friday is like the first day we actually have to like enjoy just ourselves at the con, hang out with friends and just, you know, be con goers. Um, And we're all excited to play this game. So it gets to be about like nine or 10 o'clock at night. Everything has kind of shut down um, at the convention center and our friends who have a hotel room um, downtown were like, yeah, come back to our hotel. We'll play in the lobby. We can play this game. So we went out to dinner. Then we went back to the hotel and played Guar. Now you have four experienced gamers sitting down to play this game. Um, Nate obviously has like a ninth degree black belt in tabletop RPGs. There was another woman there who also is incredibly familiar with tabletop RPGs, board games, and she's a storyteller for a LARP. So, and when she was in (laughs) high school, she used to work for a gaming store and she's currently a medical doctor. That's right. An MD physician who went to college for a long fucking time. So she's very smart. You have me, 
I have a couple degrees behind my name, and I'm also a very experienced gamer. And then you have another guy who is a game designer. designer. He is a game designer, currently employed as a graphic artist, but is a game designer, breaking his way into that field, who sat down to play this game. And none of us, not the four of us, could figure out how to appropriately play this fucking game. Yes. It took we weren't inebriated, we hadn't been drinking, we were a little tired. Yeah, we were tired from walking around. From walking around all day. But between the four of us, we could we kind of almost got the game set up. We got through a couple of rounds, but it felt what we thought were rounds, but it like as we continued to play, we're like, we're missing something. And we read through the directions, all of us. We're trying to like work together to figure out how to play this game, what's the right way to do it. And I just refuse to believe that all four of us are dummies. The instructions are terrible as they are. One of the things that makes it very difficult to understand from a card game perspective and from just like a board game perspective is so one, the instructions are very unclear because the color coding is in such a way that it is not clear what colors go with what. So um, it's hard to explain without like a frame of reference, but I'll try to show it in maybe some B-roll. But basically, you have cards that have on their face, they have a different color slash through them. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's like purple, green, blue, black, gray, red, gray, orangish. But, but then all of them are like gray bottom. And then some of them are gray bottom with a black slash. Some of them are gray bottom with a gray slash. Some of them have dots. Some of them don't. So it's very unclear what all of these different cards do. Then you also have colors on the back of the card, right? You have, mm-hmm. you have, um, red and there, blue, uh, red and blue, um, I don't know what would you call them, not like a suit, but like basically just the back have, of the a, card. You have yeah. a red deck and you have a blue deck, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the color blue is referenced as the card color, but also it's referenced as the the deck color. Mm-hmm. And they're not clear and they don't articulate that very well. Then in the instructions here, and it may be because it's just pre-Kickstarter, in the instructions here, there's a QR code to take you to where a video is to explain how to play it, except the video goes to nowhere. Yeah, it doesn't and, work. Right. And so if you look it up, there's like one video of a dude with a beard playing the game. And the dude with the beard is clearly smarter than us or has some inside information because his he he seemed to be very clear to understand how to play it. However, he was playing by himself. He was playing by himself and he had um like there's a board that the game comes with yeah. that shows you how to lay out everything to set up to set up your cards so you can draft them uh, on your turn. And he, when he was playing, he didn't have the board. Right. So we were like, okay, is he setting? Like we were trying to match up. Like, are yeah. we setting up the board the same way he's kind of you know ad hoc doing it on his table? Right. It was so much effort just to try to maybe figure out if we were doing it right. What it felt like to me was is I don't know if you've ever like Googled something. And you go to a page and you're like, oh, awesome. Like I found the information I wanted and you click on the link. And then all of a sudden the website that comes up is like in German or French. It's in like another language that's not your native language. And you're like, wait a second. And you're like, okay, should I let Google translate this page? And then Google translates it and you can get the gist of what's being said, but you can tell something's totally missing. Like there's something that isn't included in the translation. What I would compare it to is um, when I looked up how to tie a tie. Right, I've looked up videos a bunch of times on how to tie a tie. And every time, I'm like, I kind of think I have it right, but I'm not quite, like, I feel like I'm missing a step. It's like backwards. I can't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so we get through what we think is the right way to do things. Right. And we go through like eight rounds. And I assume this is probably the deck building portion of the game, but I don't know because it wasn't clear. And after like eight rounds of this, like everybody laying down cards and then like picking cards yeah. up. And, like, redrawing and drawing again. I just was like, this is boring. Like, this isn't even fun. No. And so I was like, let's just wrap this up. Another thing that happened in the course of that eight rounds of drawing cards is, like, almost every other time between people's turns, we realized, like, we're drawing a card and we're realizing, like, oh, this card's in the wrong pile. Like, we... And so we're figuring yeah. out things that we've been doing wrong as we're playing the game. Right. These things should have been in the instructions. Yeah, they, and they weren't. And yeah. also when they sealed up all the cards, they basically just put all the cards together and like there's no real differentiator. Because again, like she said, there are certain cards where like 
The only difference between them is like one's got a little ball on the bottom yeah. and the other one doesn't. And yeah. it, it was just like, okay, I have no idea if these are even in the right pile. I don't know if these cards are supposed to do what they're doing. Right. And we were really excited to play this game. It's not like we were like, oh, tired and it was work. Like, oh, great. Now I got to fucking learn how to play Guar. No, if it had been really detailed, really challenging instructions, I would have still been into it and been on board with that. But if they had been good instructions right. and they just weren't. Honestly, so, like one of the games that we bought the year before was the the Prince's Gambit. Yeah. Which is like a, a six. You It requires too many people to be like a really like effective game to play. Like you need six people to play it. But like that game was designed in such a way where you pick up the deck, you deal out cards, and it's very clear how you play. Like the instructions are really great. Right. And this was like... Like you, 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 one person picks up eight cards, but then they lay down all eight, but then they only pick up three. It was just like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like, maybe if you had played a game very similar to this and you already knew how to play, you could be like, oh, okay, that's what we do next. Oh, that's right. what we do next. But between the four of us, relatively smart, non-intoxicated people, it was just too much effort to figure out how to do it right. Yeah. So we might um, try to tackle it again because like you said it's a fun concept and the art's pretty fun and you know who doesn't love guar um we might try to tackle it again but probably i'm thinking we're gonna wait until like the game's officially published and we can maybe get like a revised instruction set like i don't know how they don't know that that's not a problem like they have to know that that the instructions are inadequate like i i hope that they figure that out what really i found to be quite entertaining though was in retrospect because like the the guy that sold us the game who like he was like he was very hard on like selling us the game. Well, to be fair, you told him flat out like I don't care how what yeah. what kind of game this is, I'm going to buy it because it says Guar. Right. You and, told and, the guy that. that that served two purposes. One, right. I didn't need his hard sell because yeah. I I was like I don't you know I don't want to talk. I just want to get this because it's cool. Yeah. Um. And and also like to be fair, I don't care that it's a bad game. Like this is going to go on like a shelf mm-hmm. and it's going to look really cool. And you got it signed and, by and three members signed, of Guar. Right. Yeah. And and I had two of these signatures I got it back in like the late 90s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of like comes full circle. And, you know, um, I think in a lot of ways there's like homage to their lead singer, Dave Brocky, who passed away. And I think that that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So I don't care that it's a bad game. It's a product that this band made. And so I'm happy to help support them. However, from a game standpoint, you know, this guy was like selling hard how easy it was to learn this game. <laughs> That's, and it's, yeah. not, it's not. It's not easy to learn. That, it's not easy to learn at all. And uh, I think that they definitely need to adjust. And also, you know, they said it took one hour. It took us like an hour just to unpack everything and figure out like the where fi- to start. Figuring it out was what was the, the hard part. Um, right. So, uh all in all, I would say my review of this game is like, no, don't waste your time on it unless you are a big yeah. fan of Guar. If, if you're, you're a, a fan of, yeah, if you're a collector, if you're a fan of Guar, go ahead and pick it up. If you just like games because you like games and you could care less about Guar, it's probably not worth your time. No, no, it's not. It's not very good. Yeah. And I don't think it was cheap. Like, it was 60 bucks. It was a $60 game that we're probably going to play maybe one more time. If we're lucky. If we're lucky. Yeah. And also, we kind of broke our rule because, like, our rule was, was that, like, we're going to play, we're going to buy something that we could play just the two of us. And this is definitely a three to five yeah. game per person. It certainly person. says three to five. So I screwed yeah. up. So, But that's okay. It was more like, you know, we have a budget. This is the amount of money we have to spend. Nate and I agreed, like, he's going to get a game and bring it to the table. I'm going to get a game and bring it to the table. And that's the game he brought to the table. And luckily, we have a table that's big enough for lots of friends. So no no big deal there. Um, It just, you know, it's too bad that it turned out that the game was kind of a bust. But the concept is really cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, So what did you end up getting? So I ended up getting three games, but... I'll kind of tell you this story about him first. So I, Nate was doing podcast stuff. That's too crackly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, very crackly. If you're going to be fidgety, be fidgety with this. No, I was going to show oh. it on the camera. Okay. Oh, well, that's fine. I thought you were like just being fidgety because no. you're a fidgety guy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm you need like a pin or something to play with. But we got this uh, pin. Well, we'd be a fidget um, spinner. Yeah, you do need a fidget oh, spinner. That's what they made them for. <laughs> um, so we got a cool pen from the booth. So yeah, that's cool. Um Anyways. Anyway, so we, where was I? Yes. So anyway, um, I, I was walking all, around all day on Friday and um, while Nate was doing, or Thursday while Nate was doing some podcast stuff and um, 
also on Friday he had an interview and I was walking around by myself. And so I was like hunting for a fun game that would be good for two to six people. Right. Um, but with a minimum of two and I found some games that were pretty fun, some concepts I thought he would like. Um, there was a cool Highlander game that was for two people that I was like, Oh, maybe that'll be fun. Um, but then we met up with some friends and one of my friends was like, Hey, there's this really cute two player game. Um, it can be like more than two players and it's called Tortuga. And it's at this booth um, by this little gaming company called Facade Games. And um, she's like, it's like a book. And it's, um, you know, like a pretty quick, easy to learn game. Um, good for two to like five people. And she's like, it's super fun. You should go check it out. And she's like, but let me know if you buy it. Because um, you can kind of see like the artwork here. This is the instruction manual. She's like, but let me know if you buy it. Because then I won't buy one and we can all play together. And I was like, oh, sure. So before we head off for lunch, we go ahead and check out this booth. And boy, did they catch me with the marketing because it was so cute. The concept, if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that this box basically just looks like an old school book. It even has like a spine with the name of it, of, of Tortuga, and then Facade Games down on the book spine. And then the front of it says Tortuga. And you're like, oh, cool. So it's like, it's like you're opening up an adventure. And it's a little board game. That is about like you are pirates who are fighting for treasure on the island of Tortuga in the Caribbean in 1667. And so each plate, um, each person um, is assigned to a pirate ship, either uh, uh, from France or like a, a, an English pirate ship. And you're like vying for dominance and control of all the treasure on the island. Super easy to learn, super easy to um, explain to people and quick game, like probably only 20, 30 minutes. Um, so Tortuga, super fun by Facade games but because it was like a book they have two other games that also look like books and one of them is Salem 1692 and that essentially is sort of like if you've ever played Are You a Werewolf? Very similar um, kind of game. You need more than two people to play it for it to be fun um, but basically it's like you're trying to figure out who are the witches in the city. Yeah, um, I mean honestly I, I, I would say too like even Tortuga is kind of like that as well because alliance is kind of a yeah. central theme in the game. Yeah, you need you need you need these games are um, Tortuga and Salem are more than two people, right? Um, but I was sold. Like even just like you probably can't see it on the video, but maybe we could get some some B roll or something. But even the the cover, uh, the paper box cover looks like an old leather bound book that's kind of beaten up. Um, so it's really cool. So they've got Tortuga, they've got Salem. And they both look like books. And then they've got Deadwood, 1876. And the Deadwood game can be played with a minimum of two players. And this is really what sold me on getting all three of them because I knew my friend wanted Tortuga. And if I bought it, she would play it. Um, but this Deadwood game, um, Nate was kind of into. We were into the concept. Basically, it's like um, you're all vying for control of Deadwood. And then at the end of the game, um, there are some alliances there. But at the, at the end of the game, there's like a shootout. And whoever wins the shootout is like, you know, in charge of Deadwood or something. I'm actually a sucker for like, yeah, like cowboys. But the the artwork is super cool, and then you can see. Um, so they're calling this their Dark City series. So Deadwood 1876 is part of the Dark City series. Each game in this series comes packaged in a magnetic book box, focuses on a particular city and history from that year, um, or a particular city and a year from history, and includes a dark, secretive, and mysterious element in its gameplay. We're already hard at work on the next volume. You can learn more about the Dark City series and add existing volumes to your collection by visiting us at facadegames.com. So, really cool. So they got me. I was like, well, I could buy Tortuga and I could play that with my friends and I, or I could buy um, Deadwood and Nate and I would have a good time playing that, just he and I. Or I could just get all three and have these really cool book box sets um, that will look awesome sitting on my shelf. And also just like the artwork work in the book is really cool. Um, so I like they're so smart. Like if they put out more games like this that look like books and they're like really kind of cute, fun, short, self-contained board games like for, you know, early on in a party, you got three or four people there. You're waiting for everybody else to show up. Nobody's super drunk yet. You guys want to play a board game to kind of get the evening started. These are great games. We've played most of them. The only one we haven't played all the way through yet is Deadwood just because of time. Maybe we could play that later tonight. Um, but anyway, 
the the guy at the booth was um, really nice guy. He was the owner of the company, and it's it's kind of a cool idea. So he and his wife kickstarted, I think, Tortuga first, and um, they started their own little small family owned gaming company. And they have, I think, pretty reasonable distribution because although I'd never heard of these games before, um, the other day we were at Target, I think, or. No, we were at we were at a game the yeah, game we preserve. Game we were uh, I think game preserve. The game preserve. Yeah, I can't remember. So game preserve local, is a, a local, local gaming game. shop in Indianapolis, and I saw all three of them sitting on a shelf. So they have distribution already. Um, they may not be in your big box stores yet, but go check them out. Go check out facadegames.com. Um, if you can't order, you can probably order them from that website. Um, if you can't find them in a game store in your area, but um, Salem, if you like, are you a werewolf? Same concept, just takes place in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. Tortuga is a super fun kind of like pirate treasure game. And Deadwood is like a, a shoot 'em up take control of the city game. Um, but they're all beautiful. The pieces are very high quality. Like just a lot of people like board games because they're fun. But I think a lot of board games are fun, right? What really gets people engaged a lot of times is, is the artwork. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So. I, I highly recommend them. We've played through them. Um, super fun. So anyway, yeah. you were saying. No. Um, I don't know what I yeah. was saying. Anyways, what I was saying was um, these these games are significantly more fun <laughs> and significantly easier to learn than the Guar versus Time. Honestly, right. I felt like if they had just put like five decks of cards in here mm-hmm. and like gave you simple instructions on how to play against your friends. Yeah. Um, that would be great. But yeah, um, maybe some people watching or listening, maybe they understand deck building games better. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to us and give us some pointers, but yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't for us. We, we walked around and saw a ton of cool games. Mm-hmm. These are, basically what we ended up buying at Gen Con. Right. So of all the stuff we could have purchased, these games from Facade Games are what we ended up buying. Yeah. We, we, we played with, do you remember the name of the game with the tentacles, the Tentacle Town game? I think it was called Tentacle Town. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was. Anyways, that game was pretty fun looking. We didn't end up buying it though. But it's, it's, it's going to Kickstarter. It's not out yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think oh, it's called. Yeah, I think it. it's called Tentacle Town. Do you have your cell phone handy? I you can not, look it up. No, no. no, I, no. I hit it because I wanted to pretend to be professional. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's called Tentacle Town, but um, that was also a fun game. Yeah, maybe they, we can they put. Gave us some pins too. Maybe we could um, look that up and put it in the description yeah. on the website utilitymuffinlabs.com, or maybe even in the description down below on YouTube. Um, so what else? I see that you have another yeah. game on the table here so the that you wanted to talk thing, about. This is kind of like the postmortem to Gen Con. We okay. had a great time, and there was a ton of things that I wanted to buy. And I was very on the fence because I'm a big fan of Shadowrun, and they just came out with a 6th edition game. And I, I feel like their 5th edition hadn't been out for very long. And anyways, um, I'm always very hesitant when it comes to like buying new rule sets because it's like you've got to learn a whole new thing. And you know, causes all these changes and whatever. It's just, you know, the, a lot of gamers, they fit this niche where they're just like, things change, I don't want to do it. Um, anyways, that wasn't why I, I hesitated to buy it. I just, it was like Sunday by the time I got there, and I, I had spent a decent amount of money because we bought a lot of artwork because um, I really like to support artists, and Rachel likes to support them too. But we went... Uh, we went shopping the other day, just a couple of days after Gen Con, and there was a game store, and I kind of like always want to, it's like record so, stores back in the day. You right, but, stop but here's the here's the thing. I was going into Ulta to buy makeup, and there's a game store right next door, and it's like, do you care if I just go in there? <laughs> I was like, that's fine. I'll be right over. <laughs> so I go there, and they have uh, more than just D&D books, which is a rarity these days when you go to a gaming store. Usually it's just like magic cards, Pokemon cards board games and D&D and like three books. Well, this place actually had like books. And so they had this, which is the Shadowrun Sixth World Beginner Box. And I like these beginner boxes because it doesn't require me or the people playing to sit down and read an entire book, right? Um, I think especially when you're trying to introduce new people to a game, handing them a 300, 400, 500 page book and telling them, here, read this and then we'll play that can be very intimidating. It can, or people just don't do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to play. Or they just go, well, how about you run a game and I'll just watch and that's how I'll learn. Well, with these, um, these beginner boxes, um, Catalyst 
put one out for the fifth edition, which we bought last year, ironically. And um, this year I'm dedicated to running this actual Shadowrun 6th world. He really is. He's already read through most of yeah, it. Yeah, and he's had so, it for like less than a as day. As far as rules are concerned, I can't comment on the rules because I don't, I don't, oh, I don't just, really care. He just opened the box and it has that new game yeah. smell. Like it still smells like a new like a new game, like paper. You know that smell? Oh. Yeah. So anyways, it's beautifully printed. This shows yeah, you it what's, is. what's coming soon. Um, it's got a lot of the artwork that, you know, kind of draws you in. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's Shadowrun. And like, what's the, what's the big company that is it, um, with, that does, uh, fucking, uh, Pathfinder, um, oh, Paizo? Paizo, like, you know, like these games, game companies, I mean, they're really producing quality materials. Like it's just, it's like, it's not shoddy. Like it's really good quality stuff. Um, I'm very impressed. So it's got, uh, this two page guide to the sixth world so it kind of gives you an updated set of information like this is what is going on in the world this is how it's different than your world and then um it has actual dossiers for your character so it comes with four playable characters and it's got a full dossier on basically how to play Mm -hmm. so you have your different characters and what they do it's got like a cool little quote on there of Things that like might come out of their mouth, um, and pictures of them, and then you know it's got the full dossier of how to play step by step. So your players can pick this up, they can look through, and then go, "Oh, this is how I play. This is an example. This is my profile." They have an example run, something that your character might do while going through the process of playing the game, and then your character sheet and. Play tables on yeah. the back. These dossiers are just like gorgeous too. Yeah. Like it must have been like to have been a writer on this game, even just for this like this beginner's box, and then to see the final product, I would have been so stoked. Yeah. Like I would have been like just like, oh my god, this looks so good. And then it's got this huge map yeah. that like takes up the whole table. Yeah. Uh that this is a map of the of downtown uh um downtown Seattle mm-hmm. and then it has your adventure book so you the the game master can look through here and run your adventure um, of course if you're a more advanced game master you wouldn't necessarily need that but for someone who's learning the rules oh, it smells so good and then it has a condensed version of the quick start rules so Dude. again I don't want to comment on the full and uh, dice yeah right comes with some shadow run dice shadow run dice your six-sided dice. And then it comes with a deck of cards mm-hmm. for equipment so that your players can easily lay down a card when they're going to do something, when they're going to use a tool, when they're going to use a weapon. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it also has some other um, cool stuff in here. It's got uh, NPCs oh. for, your, for your game masters. So you can look through here and pull out an NPC. It's got right. quick stats on there. This is great for pe- teaching new 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 uh, GMs and everything right. how to run a game because it's like you can if you're if you're you go by the book and you're going to run your own campaign, you can always reference these really nice high quality cards right. um, on how to build your NPCs. And the cool thing I think is that with this, once you the game master, once you've read through your your um, your sample run, your battle royale adventure, you could take this whole box, go to somebody's house, hand these out go over some quick, uh, you know, elemental information mm-hmm. um, and run this game a- anytime you want. Um, I think stuff like this is a must for anybody starting a game for the first time. Or if you're like me and you know, I know, you know, the third edition rules, but I haven't played for, you know, five years, six years. I don't know any of the new stuff. Right. Read this. Use your quick start, run a game. Yeah, this is clearly a company and um, a game that really cares about introducing new players to the game, um, much like how D&D and Pathfinder have done. I don't know for sure that Pathfinder has beginner boxes. Uh, I'm, I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if they didn't. But I do know a company that doesn't seem to have any beginner boxes. 
You shall go. You shall <laughs> remain nameless. <laughs> It well, might be a company that's not really a company anymore. Well, Enough of my trolling. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. What, we'll see what uh, they do. Um, yeah. But anyway, the uh, now, with, now with Modifius developing their product, who we shall continue to remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they'll put something out for people yeah. so that yeah. they can jump into the game. Yeah, very quickly. That'd be super cool because, like you said, you know, when additions change, you got new rules, you have new stats. Um, right. It's really helpful to pull in those classic old time players yeah. who maybe you know went to college or had kids or you know had a life in between when they started playing. Playing the game, and you know now they're they want to get back into the hobby. This is a great tool to do it. Yeah. Again, I am kind of overwhelmed with how beautiful this box is and all the contents are, um, and I don't know what it retails for, but we did get it on sale, and I think we got it for like less than twenty dollars. Yeah, maybe twenty yeah. ish with tax. So that was the other thing. Um, I saw this there, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool," but I still wasn't convinced. But the store was having a twenty percent off discount because mm-hmm. this was the same at the store as it was at Gen Con. Yeah. And so the I total like, price, yeah, the but total, then with the, the, the sale at the whatever, yeah, we got the, it for a little cheaper. The retail price was the same. So it's kind of cool that we that we held off because yeah. we ended up getting a deal accidentally. Yeah. So that was nice. Um, cool. Well, I'm excited for you to run this. Yes. Uh, maybe we can play it together, just you and I. And uh, or it, here's the thing. I would love to play it with more people. I really want to play it, though. And it's really hard to get adults all together at once to yeah. play a game. And we both are trying to GM slash storytell games that are ongoing. And it's hard to schedule all those people. So what's probably going to happen is, is Nate's going to run this game just for me. So maybe we'll Twitch it, Twitch stream it or something. I don't know. But also another cool thing that happened was uh, I had a friend who ran some games for Modifius and I don't know how, but, or, or like why this happened, but they gave him like a board cube that had all kinds of goodies and a storyteller screen for Star Trek adventures. And it retails for a lot of money and it was a limited edition release. And it was like, you know, box number 973 out of 1,701. Ooh, the lights blinked because it's, it's, uh, it's storming pretty hard outside. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, we are still recording audio. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's like thunderstorming pretty hard here. Uh, but anyway, um, I did some unboxing for that. So maybe if Nate has the gumption and feels like it, we could tag that onto the end of this. So if you guys, uh, come to our YouTube channel, you can see that. Um, and, and watch my like kind of geeking out over the Star Trek adventures box. Um, anything else, any other tales you want to tell about our Gen Con experience or or is there probably, you're going to do a nerd words on Gen Con as well. We'll we'll probably have another podcast about it. Yeah. 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 Just kind of about the, uh, Trials and tribulations yeah, of Gen the, Con. The experiences that we had <laughs> yeah. and everything. I say overall positive experience. Yeah. Um, definitely, uh, I think in the past when I had kind of like planned my time down to a T and was like, there's my plan. My goal is, is to do 60% of these things. Uh, I usually have a great time. This time I didn't go in with the plan at all. And I did kind of feel like I missed out and had some missed opportunities. Yeah. In fact, I bought tickets to events that I didn't end up going to because I just, you know, it's just the plan fell through there's so much going on that weekend yeah it's that. one of our friends birthdays as well so it was like one night it's yeah. like and eh, do we go like demo a game or do we go out to dinner with like yeah. a bunch of our friends who we don't get to ever see on a regular basis yeah I want to talk about that experience on a different podcast the demoing the game experience thing. which oh which I oh think, oh I, oh, I know what you're talking about that. yeah so we'll save that for nerd words uh, not everything at Gen, nothing at Gen Con was bad no. But not everything was 100%. No. Um, but real quick, because it's on the top of my mind, and I, I, it has nothing to do with Gen Con. It just mostly has to do with you being a giant dork and me also being a giant dork, and it has to do with Tool. Mm-hmm. So the new Tool album got announced uh, right before Gen Con. The whole catalog in its current state got released while we were at Gen Con August 2nd. on August 2nd. So we, even though Nate already had, I think, all everything um, in yeah, MP3 on right. your phone, you went ahead and just downloaded it from iTunes as well. Because um, we're an iTunes household. <laughs> I used to be Spotify when I was single, but, you know, at the time he might have worked for a fruit company and iTunes is what made sense at yeah, the time. Yeah. So now we're an iTunes household. But anyway... Um, and so we downloaded the catalog. But then yesterday, they released the title song off of their new album, Fear Inoculum. And uh, I would like to just get your impressions, because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings. 
Well, I've actually only listened to the song once. What? Um, yeah, I've only listened to it once. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've only I've only had the opportunity to listen to it once, and I, I listened to it on YouTube on the television. So um, what I heard of it, it definitely sounded like Tool. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a 10-minute long song. It doesn't feel like it, though. No, it definitely doesn't feel like it. Um, but it felt, to me, honestly, it felt like... It felt like a song that was working its way up to something else. And it, it what I mean by that was it definitely felt like the first song of the album. Yeah, I agree. Like it felt it felt like an entryway. So I, I'm one of those fans that, like, of course I'm going to listen to it. Of course uh, I can't wait for the album. But I really – sometimes it takes me five or six listens to Tool's material before it really, like, sinks in, before I really start to understand it. And sometimes even before I really start to like it, you know, so because it's so complex. It is very complex. Um, I got to be honest with you. I'm actually a little disappointed in you that you've only listened to it once. Like I like I, I really feel like you are missing out by just being like, OK, yeah, that's a new tool album or tool song. Like I've listened to it so many times. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many times I've listened to it. And each time it's like it gets better and better and I get more and more excited, and I love it more and more and more. I And I understand that you've only watched it on YouTube, on the TV, but you need to sit down at your computer with your headphones in and listen to it. <laughs> well, because, I definitely will. I definitely Because it's so good. It's very complex. Um, and it's just like, um, I don't know how to describe it other than it feels like everything is working perfectly. Like... You ever have a day where, like, this doesn't happen very much anymore because, like, I'm old or I'm getting older. But do you ever just have a day where you, like, you feel good? Like, you woke up, you have your coffee, your joints don't hurt. You know, you take a deep breath. Like, the air outside is clear. It's not smoggy. Like, you don't have a headache. You don't have any pains. It just feels like your, your body is, like, working really well. You've been eating healthy. You know, you don't, like, feel gross from eating junk food. Like, just, like, you feel good throughout your whole body. You just feel very healthy. This song feels like a body that is working at 100% efficiency. It like that's what it like listening to the song over and over again it just gives me a sense of like like not perfection but just like a holistic like uh, like a like a machine, like a beautiful machine that's all the cogs and all everything's working perfectly together. Like there's there's like some kind of like undescribable symmetry in this song that just like as it gets into your brain, it like needles deeper and deeper and deeper into it until like it's almost like it it saturates all of your neurons. Like it it's almost like being on drugs. Like I can't describe it. Like the song is is almost like magic. Maynard's voice is beautiful. Like he has a totally beautiful voice. But if you listen to um, the drums, I think his name is Danny Danny Carey. Mm-hmm. Danny Carey. Yeah. It's like. I don't know how technically he's a very gifted drummer, but there's something in the percussion and tools music. And it's very, it's highlighted really well in the song that is almost like the rhythm is almost in, uh, there's something instinctual or ancestral about it. Like it just kind of like gets inside of you and you, you can't, you can't like ignore it. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but their music is just so, I don't know. I, can, I I don't have the words to describe how the song makes me feel. Like the lyrics are kind of dark, and it's it it does have definitely like a sort of like sinister subject matter in in some way. But it's it's just like so well composed. It's like even not being progressive metal, it's a beautifully composed work of of of, of music. Um, so I am just so down for what like anything that comes after this. Like I'm so down for it. Like I cannot wait. I'm so excited. You need you to listen do to music it. music reviews. No, I shouldn't because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I just know how things make me feel. Right. And I try to like explain like it, well, made, it made me feel something. Isn't, and, that, yeah. uh, isn't that at like the crux what the point of music is? Is that music should – people should comment on how the music makes them feel and mm-hmm. less on like the, you know, the, the technical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess – 
my problem with music reviews is it's so completely subjective, right? But also there is this vast technical well that you can draw from and go, you know, this is done well or this is done poorly. But you're talking about like a composition as a whole. And music should be, I think, the goal of music should be it stirs a feeling in you, right? Yeah. And if I listen to something and it does not – if it doesn't stir a feeling in me at all, that's that's an indicator that something is totally wrong with mm-hmm. that music. But even if it does stir a feeling in me and that's not a feeling I like, that's more just a commentary on, like, my personal opinion. But, like, mm-hmm. that's what all commentary is. Right? Yeah. Like, I've always been of the opinion that if you're going to be critical of music – you know, go make your own music and see how that works. But, like, that's not fair. That's, like, not, you know, just because... I mean, you can like something or you can not like right. something. I think it's some people have the ability to articulate why they like a thing and others, you know, Basically, why they don't like a thing. What I'm saying is when you say you don't know shit, I don't really think you need to know anything other than how the music makes you feel right? yeah. as a reviewer. Uh, you, I don't believe you need to be a musician because then you're just a musician, right? It's like, uh, what's his name? The movie reviewer who like spent his whole career. Uh, was it Gene Siskel or e- e- Ebert? Yeah, uh, yeah Roger, Roger Ebert. Ebert. Yeah. So Roger Ebert spent his whole career, you know, talking about movies and made one, and that was shit. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, just because you can be critical of a thing doesn't necessarily mean you could go out and make that thing. So yeah. That's that's my point. You should review songs because your review was delightful. Well, I um, and I, I'll, I'll make sure to go listen to it more. But I I very much like to take, I guess maybe the old school tool perspective on things, where I like to consume the product as a whole and then formulate my opinions, and not just like a single song. Yeah. So. No, that's that's totally fair. Uh, enjoy waiting another, uh, you know, twenty two days it's for not, it. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not that long of a wait. I'm, yeah, and plus, I like you know, I can not only can I listen to Tool on my phone or on my CDs, which who has a fucking CD player anymore? But you know, I could stream it on YouTube. Like, I, I the the open access has invigorated me. Yeah, so. I'm very very excited for that too. Um, but definitely go listen to the new song Fear Inoculum. If you are a Tool fan, if you are a Tool fan, you've already listened to it. But if you don't know much about Tool, go listen to it with an open mind. But that that song is uh, pretty impressive. And if that's the beginning of the album, like if that's our intro, then whatever comes after that is going to be amazing. Hopefully, yeah. I'm pretty optimistic. Like I don't think you, I don't think you put that out as your first song, and then everything else is garbage. Yeah, so. no, probably not. I mean, after having 13 years to make music. Hopefully they have something good coming, you know, you yeah. think. All right, well, so what do we what do we have for our next podcast? Do we have any clue? I have no idea. I think like most things, we don't know. So, you know, keep uh <laughs> like keep a lookout. Things. We have we have um, a lot of things on the agenda. Um, movies, games, places, stuff. So um yeah. we'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks. Yeah. All right, thanks. All right. Thank Bye. you for watching, listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. folks, this is Rachel from UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at Hooky Podcast. On Instagram and Facebook, at our Utility Muffin Labs name. And support us on YouTube, at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate. Mm-hmm.